you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by the Ford F-Series. DJ Bucky here on a Tuesday where we have an unbelievable college championship game to recap. But, Bucky, uh, I want to get our NFL business out of the way quick so we can jump into this college game. (laughs) It was an all-timer. The game was an all-timer. It was an outstanding game. It was so much talent on the field. We always talk about it from a prospect standpoint. It was just amazing to see so many young guys playing and contributing right away. It says a lot about those two programs versus the rest of the country and the other programs that are trying to compete to be national champions. Yeah, just to give you a little preview here, Sully, we're going to get to uh, get to that game. Bucky has unique insight into these quarterbacks. That's because, exactly what I was going to say. Because of his time uh, working with the Elite 11. So some great stories coming up on, uh, on Tua Tagovailoa as well as on Jake Fromm. So you want to stay tuned for that. Um, well, I've got five lessons that I learned from Nick Saban that I wrote down. I want to uh, get into that a little bit later as well. And we'll have some uh, prospect breakdowns of some of the guys we've been watching and uh, kick around some of these draft names. But, Bucky, let's uh, let's get back. We did the takeaway podcast on the playoff games, but we need to handle some business with our, uh, our, our uh, I guess, offensive line of the week presented by the Ford F-Series. This is, again, our buddy Sean O'Hara does this article, nfl.com slash Ford. You can check out his built Ford Tough Offensive Line of the Week. So our one piece of NFL business we need to handle here, who do you want uh, for Offensive Line of the Week, Buck? It has to be the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans were able to absolutely dominate the Kansas City Chiefs at the point of attack. I'm looking at Derrick Henry's stat line, 23 rushes, 156 yards, a touchdown. But it's not even the, the what they – put on paper in terms of stats it's the way that they were able to do it they bullied the Kansas City Chiefs at the point of attack the way they were able to run the ball when the Chiefs knew that they were going to run it and they still were not able to put up resistance says a lot about the Tennessee Titans and that talented front line yeah a very physical bunch they got after it in uh, in that game and they move on to Foxborough where we'll have a preview for that game on the next podcast we have coming up on Thursday. But, Bucky, I, I want to jump full uh, full into this Alabama-Georgia game. I was supposed to go to the game and feel a little bit under the weather, so I ended up pulling out and uh, and staying at home. Uh, sounds like it might have been a good thing based on all the security nightmare getting in and out of there. 
sound like kind of a mess. Oh yeah, with Ooh. the president showing up. Yeah, yeah, big deal. So, it, anyways, it was nice to kind of stay home and and check this game out. I'll give you the floor, just wherever you want to go. Your your takeaway, kind of from this game. There's so many takeaways. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I I think at the end of the day, teams with the most talent are always going to be in the mix. I don't believe it's a coincidence that each year when signing day rolls around, Alabama's at the top of the list, and they've consistently been in the final game. When you look at the way that they are able to not only acquire talent, but develop the talent and showcase the talent, they do it better than anyone else in the business. And I do believe it's, it's almost like a big four, big five that's up there. It's Alabama, Ohio State. Clemson. You have Clemson. You have Oklahoma. And now I think you have to put Georgia in the mix. I think those five teams are different than everyone else in college football. And until you're able to recruit at that level, you have no shot of winning the title. Yeah, it's just the depth. It's the depth. And I, I always say this is an unscientific approach, but I, I watch the kickoff units for these teams to oh. see who has the most depth. You, I went to the Ohio State-USC game. You watch Ohio State, and you see their backups running down on kick coverage, <laughs> and they, they're meeting the kick returner at the, at the eight-yard line. Yep. Uh, these guys can't get on the field for, for the defense or the offense, but that's the kind of the depth that they've uh, they've got there. You saw with the Alabama coverage units too, man. They were flying down I the mean, field. I mean, flying to the ball. They play at a different level. They yep. play at a different speed. Um, I know the SEC was down, but I think when you look at Georgia and Alabama, and then you think about in the playoffs – seeing Clemson, seeing Oklahoma, watching Ohio State play in the Cotton Bowl. There's a distinct difference between those top teams and the way that everyone else is playing football in the country. I agree with you. We'll get to the Alabama takeaways, which there are a bunch, but I want to start first on the Georgia side. Uh, mine, to me, I was a little bit shocked they did not feed Sony Michelle more. This is a challenge when you do have a couple backs uh, that you can roll through there. You've got Michelle, you've got Chubb, you've got Swift. To me, this was a Sony Michelle type of game. To get to the corners on Alabama, you got to have a little bit more juice than Chubb has. And I think Sony Michelle is the one that, that was showing the ability to do that, had that nice tightrope down the sideline, and he can also fight through some tough yardage on the inside. 14 carries for 98 yards. Didn't touch it much at the end of the game. Chubb, 18 for 25. I thought distribution-wise, they should have given Sony Michelle fed him a little bit more in this game. Yeah, it would have been nice to see him get more touches because he did have it going on. He did break away, had some big runs. Um, they were very, very creative in the way that they were attacking the Alabama defense, particularly early in the game. Saw some what they call wild dog. Saw some of their wild dogs, saw some shifts, saw some motion, saw some really, really cute and sexy stuff that they were doing in the run game. But at the end of the day, they needed to grind it out. They didn't give it to what I think, who I think is probably their best running back from an overall standpoint. Sonny Michelle should have touched the ball more. I think that's something that when they look back, they'll regret not feeding him a little more. He, Sonny Michelle's, to your point, he didn't touch the ball a lot down the stretch. His last uh, carry was eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So they didn't get the ball, and he had zero catches after seeing what he could do in the passing game the previous week against Oklahoma, so that was a little bit odd. Uh, I will say this. Jake Fromm, Bucky, when they put the ball in his hands early, they came out throwing. I think their first two drives was seven passes, no runs. They put the ball in the freshman's hands, and this is one you kind of file away for the future. Kid's got incredible poise. I saw it in the Oklahoma game live. You saw it in this game uh, watching on TV. A lot of, of noise and, and, and busy atmosphere around him in the pocket he was calm cool and collected kind of a hard luck pick on the one that bounced off the helmet of the d lineman that uh that was picked off but man i thought on the whole jake Fromm, man he was he was impressive 
Very impressive. I mean, we, we've we've talked about it. You've had an opportunity to be around the last couple of years. Lead 11, the opening, seeing these young guys come through the pipeline. The next generation of quarterbacks are going to be special. It's going to be ridiculous the amount of talent that we see migrate up into the college ranks and then eventually to the pro ranks. Jake Fromm is a legitimate dude. And if not for Tua taking over on his own right for Alabama, we would be talking about Jake Fromm because – he does everything that NFL quarterbacks are supposed to be able to do. The way he pushes the ball down the field, that 80-yard touchdown pass, that was a dime. unbelievable dime, dropped it over the outside shoulder. To be able to recognize late-moving coverage, to attack the weakness, good quarterbacks. The quarterback play in this game from two true freshmen, unbelievable to see them kind of handle the environment and play as well as they were able to play with all the pressure that was on them. Last thing on the Georgia side of things, Roquan Smith ended up 13 tackles a sack, two and a half tackles for loss. As good as advertised, the range sideline to sideline is outstanding. I had a buddy in the league that compared him to Jonathan Vilma was his comp. I thought that was actually a pretty good one. I think uh, he's a great comp. Just the instincts and the quickness. Not not the biggest guy in the world, but he is he's ready made for the next level. He's going to be outstanding, I'm sure. He'll have a decision for us here in the in the near future. But let's flip it over to the Alabama side where so many different things to get to. Why don't we start right there with the decision to make to make the change at the quarterback position? I was, you know, I'm sure as you were, everybody was kind of texting friends and man, I wonder, does he have the courage to do, is he really gonna do this? Does he have the courage to make the switch? And sure enough, Nick Saban showed no fear. No fear. And it's wonder why why he's arguably the, the best coach that we've ever seen in the college game and more so modern history. His ability to just make the hard decision because his quarterback was struggling. Jalen Hurst was struggling. They had no um, potency on offense when Hurst was there trying to drop back and pass. He went to the bullpen, and we hadn't seen him really go to the bullpen. We had seen Tua play in mop-up duty, but we hadn't seen him play like significant minutes against real competition. To put him in that spot, to have the trust that his true freshman quarterback could go in and make plays, I mean, I don't know where that comes from. You talk about having onions, the ability to, to just be fearless and courageous. Nick Saban has all of that. And I think the thing that, that goes about uh, that you have to talk about when you talk about Alabama, the constant competition that they kind of have, um, always putting their guys in a position where, hey, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to play you. They played a bunch of freshmen. Najee Harris played. You talk about the young receivers. Jerry Judy played. Devontae Smith played. I mean, so many young guys on the field. Ruggs is a young guy too, right? Yeah, Ruggs is also a young guy that they had on the field. So many guys that they put on the field in key situations says a lot about how they develop the guys, but more about the trust that they have in their young guys when they get them an opportunity. Look, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick think differently than, than every other coach that I've ever seen. I mean, they just they think differently. They're always a step ahead. Uh, to me, that the move at halftime was like they, they pulled the goalie. He said, you know what? We're going. It ain't working. We're going to pull the goalie. We're going to we're going to go down swinging. And I'm not going to be left. He's never going to leave a game wondering what if. Yes. Not going to happen. No regrets. He, he empties everything. He did it two years ago when they had the onside kick against Clemson. We couldn't stop him. We're going to kick the onside yeah, kick. Yeah, no. This, let's just take emotion out of it and, and let's, let's size up the risk here. We have to take this risk. And so don't be afraid. Go for it. I, I wrote down. We'll get to uh, Tua Tagovailoa and, and, and the job he did in just a second. But I wrote down five things. Uh, lessons from Saban, just that I jotted down after watching that game. Uh, first one I wrote down, best guy plays. 
and that is lip service that every coach, I'm sure, gives every recruit. I, I've heard it in the, on the NFL side of things. You say rookies, hey, you know, you're the best guy. Nah, it doesn't work that way. A lot of times they fall back on seniority. They make the excuse of, well, this guy knows our entire playbook, so if he makes a mistake, it's on him, it's not on me. And that used to drive me nuts from the personnel side of things. This guy's a better athlete. Make it simple so he can understand it so we can get our best guys on the field. That's what they do. The best guy plays for these dudes. Absolutely. And I think that's the only way you can operate a program where year after year you bring in five stars in. You not only are bringing talented guys that are worthy of being on the field, but you compete, you're creating a competitive environment where everyone knows that you have to be accountable to your performance or the guy behind you will get an opportunity to play. And so if you want to build an elite team, a team that can consistently compete for titles, you have to have that culture in your program. Play the best guy regardless of how many stars, regardless of when they come in, regardless of what their classification is. The guy who earns it on the field deserves to be playing. The next thing I wrote down is know what you want from from a talent acquisition standpoint and go get it. They have those types. You talk about the prototypes or how they look. You can go from position group to position group with this Alabama team. They all fit the part. They all look the part of, of, of where they have. You don't see the five foot ten, you know, uh, undersized defensive end. You don't see the five eight corner. Like they used to even back in the day, you'd have a arenas would kind of play in there. I can't remember the last time I've seen a little a little corner for Alabama. They all kind of fit the spot. Or a little wide receiver. I mean, you, I mean, you have a little undersized, but they love that big they Jerry all, Judy they all, type of player. They all look exactly the same. And uh, look, it's. It's fascinating to me when you can watch this team on defense and have a defensive tackle that's their defensive lineman, and Roquan Davis, who's six seven, whatever he is, two hundred eighty pounds. When nobody even talks about him, he blends into the scenery. They got so many dudes there. They have so many dudes, but I think you hit the nail on the head. Know exactly what you want, and we talk about this in the scouting business when you're trying to marry up the front office or the personnel side with the coach's side. Give me a clear description of exactly what you want. What is a guy that looks like our kind of guys? Be able to articulate it, be able to show me on tape, so now when I go on the road, I can go find those guys. I think Nick Saban has done a great job of sharing the vision with his recruiters, letting them know these are the kind of guys that we want in the program, these are the traits and the characteristics that they must have. He is a guy that when I spoke to him years ago, I was there for Eddie Lacy's workout, and he talked about there's a reason why there are different classifications in boxing. You don't put middleweights in with heavyweights. We're heavyweight champions. We want to be bigger, faster, stronger than our opponent because we know we'll wear them down. I think when you look at their team, they're built to be heavyweights. Also, you look at them defensively. There's a mentality that they play with and an effort that they play with. I can't – I mean, I'm watching all these different guys getting ready for the draft, and I'll see them – everybody I want to watch against Alabama if they've played them. You don't see the loaf plays from them that you see from every other team. No. You don't see it because they know that they don't. If they aren't given one hundred percent effort, there's a guy right behind them ready to go in. And that's the best way to get them to do it. I, I think the thing that stands out when you see Alabama play, and I'm, I'm gonna say Georgia too, because Georgia has some of that. They play with the kind of urgency on Monday night that I saw in the playoff games on Saturday and yeah. Sunday. They played like it was a winner go home game. That urgency that you want, that that do or die mentality. He certainly has fostered that in that locker room. Last three things. So best guy plays, know what you want, go get it. We've touched on this, no fear. He doesn't coach from fear at all. It's always aggressive. We taught, we use the phrase all gas, no break. Um, then this one I wrote down. The thing that I love about Saban is that he's disciplined and flexible. A lot of times people, you, you'll see a disciplined person, you'll associate that with being stubborn. 
He's not stubborn. The game, the college football game, changed over the last ten years with the spread and the and the up tempo, and it's no longer just sitting in the eye and being a pro style guy and selling that you're a pro style coach. He adapted, so they can be. You can be disciplined as well as be able to adjust at the time. So I think he's absolutely 100% done that. Continues to evolve. Evolves with the game. People started using tempo, started going fast, playing quicker, uh, trying to put the defense in a quandary by not allowing the defense coordinator to be a part. He added that to the mix. He has found a way to stay one step ahead of the curve. I give him credit because he's had a lot of success, and a lot of times when you're very successful, you're not really uh, looking to change the way that you've done it. He has always been willing to change, and because of that, they've been very, very successful regardless of how the game shifts. Last one I wrote down, we touched on this when we were off the air. Find the weak spot of the opponent and attack it with a vengeance. We use the phrase, what's our phrase, Buck? we got to get Waldo. Find Waldo. (laughs) Where is Waldo? That's the weak spot on the team, and they found it. They found it in a corner for Georgia, 14, and they attacked him mercilessly in this game. That's what they do. I mean, I think that's something that we've seen Bill Belichick do up in New England. Nick Saban obviously is from the same school of thought. Once they find a weakness in what you're doing, be it schematically, be it personnel, they go after it. And – I say it's a really an old, uh, a old school mentality. They were going to run number fourteen off the field, and if Georgia wasn't going to replace him, they were going to continue to attack him. They did it, and it paid off in a huge way, especially down in that final play. All right, give me some, uh, give me some background here. Uh, Tagovailoa comes in and just he plays way beyond his years. Shows the poise. The uh, the four plays that, that I was thinking of that jumped out to me, the first thing was a third and seven. He spins out the back door, ends up running for a first down. You've got the fourth and four um, where he, he buys some time when the initial play breaks down and, and throws a touchdown pass on that one. Um, you've got the uh, – gosh, what was the other one? Well, the taking the sack was a pretty big play, right? A big mistake. And then to come right back after that on uh, second and 26 and be able to hit the, the walk-off game winner. I think those kind of four plays showed you – the poise of this guy and the ability to bounce back. I mean, it was it was impressive. Very impressive. And I think anyone who really wants to chronicle his journey, they should go back a year ago, two years ago. We did a thing at Elite 11 where we, we built out a little documentary called The It Factory. And The It Factory was that entire class. Two was the MVP of the Elite 11 Finals. He played on my 7-on-7 seven seven team. So I was really fortunate to be around him. And what I can say is we throw that term around a lot, people having The It Factor. Uh, the it factor is something that you can't really describe, but you can just kind of feel it and sense it. He has that. He is a natural leader. He has the ability in a room of alphas. He is the biggest alpha, but he does it in a way that is unique. He's soft-spoken. He's quiet. Um, he's devout. He's religious. He's very, very passionate about his faith, but he has a way of being an everyman to bring everybody in and to get them. And I think his humility and his confidence, which kind of sometimes seems like something that wouldn't go like together. Like an oxymoron. Yeah. yeah, but he has that. And I think what you saw in a big moment to go into the second half of a national championship game, when you watched him the entire time, it never looked like the moment was too big. Even after the game and talking about it, he was very reserved. Like he just kind of had it and was very measured. I hate to do comparisons because I know people hate it, but if you can just think about the way that Russell Wilson has been able to be successful, mm-hmm. their demeanors, their games are very, very similar. Positive guys. Very positive, always thinking the next thing. I, I think they're builders. They build people up rather than tear people down. I think that is why they're so beloved, and then they're very, very talented. 
one of the, one of the things that impressed me, and obviously haven't interacted with him much like you have, Bucky, but uh, just watching it on TV and watching his interaction with Saban, he was getting dog shoot a couple times, and he just patted him on the back, said, "Hey, I got this kind of thing," and 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 he he was very calm, cool, and collected when when he was under fire. So I mean, I, I think I think as a freshman in that spot, I, just just watching it on TV, you could tell that 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 guy is a very cool demeanored guy. I thought both. To be fair to Jake Fromm, I thought he was the same way. Yeah. I, I thought both guys didn't really show much of a pulse, which is about as high a compliment as you can give a quarterback on that stage. Absolutely, I think both of those guys were even keeled. They handled the situations very well. They're everything that you really want to see in terms of being like franchise quarterbacks at that level. It's going to be fascinating to watch these guys and the next collection of quarterbacks continue to grow. But we've seen it. We saw two stars go at it. It's unfortunate that we won't see them on the same field again in a scheduled game unless we see them in the SEC championship the next few years. Where do you put him uh, when when you're talking about all the quarterbacks that have won a national title for Saban? Where, where are you going to – you can kind of project a little bit here. He's played a half. He's I mean, played a half, he's right. A half. Where's other guys played full years, but right. I mean, look—if you're just talking about talent-wise, based and Bucky's seen a lot more of him in high school, obviously, than I have. But based off one half, when I go through the guys that have won championships for him, he's got more talent than Greg McElroy. He's got more talent than uh, Coker. Uh, that, oh yeah, Coker and Sims was there. I mean, these quarterbacks have not been great. McCarron would probably be the best of the bunch. Yep. Um, this kid's a much better athlete than than McCarron. More explosive, more talented. The thing is, we've only seen a half and. You know, there's some things that he was able to get away with, like the touchdown where he just kind of threw it up. His fourth down, so it was mm-hmm. a desperation situation. It looked like he was trying to I hit. I thought Harris coming across coming the back across. Yeah. But, you know, Calvin really went and got it, made a play. But then, as much as I say that, he stepped up in the pocket and kind of made a late reaction throw to Jerry Judy on a crossing route. Mm-hmm. There was a dart. Uh, the dart that he threw, the dime that he threw for the touchdown, the game winner, after a bad sack. I think I'm more impressed with that because – Looked off the safety, too, didn't he? When you have a bad play like that, to be able to bounce back, you just don't see young guys have that. But I think Fromm did the same thing. Had a couple of interceptions, came back and delivered a dime. Um, gosh, By the way, can we, play, can we play two-man there? Can we play two-man? See, here's the, here's the thing why, about two-man and why you don't – he's an athletic quarterback. If you play two-man and he takes off running, he could damage it. Really, it really comes down to if the corner puts his hands on him, and if the safety plays deeper and just pays attention to his deal, because he ate the cheese, they brought number three coming across, coming across, put it right, right in his face, just just, just a little, just 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 enough. And without the reroute, it just made it tough for him to get over I the top. I, I'm sitting there going, I wish they were in two man. You can, if you want to keep a linebacker in the middle of the field, <laughs> just do it. Let the bat go. If you want to let the bat go, you can rally and tackle. They could have played soft. Yeah, they could have played a little umbrella cover, cover four, something, I mean, something sink, just something. You can't get beat over the top in that situation. Not, 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 Come se- on. not second and 26. Rally, look, rally to the ball and tackle and force that kicker to come back out there again. You know he wanted oh, no was, part of that thing. So, th- here's, did you see my tweet after that, by the way? Oh, no, I, I didn't said, see. Look, the last minute, pra- the last second oh, practice yeah. kick, never a good sign. We're like, all right, we're ready to go. Hold on one second. Let me, let me get one more, one more practice kick. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> this never inspires confidence when you see that. I didn't see that part. Oh, not good. I didn't see, I didn't see that part. But I will say, the guy for Georgia was a dude. Oh, I know, that man. Yard he kick. with the Charlie Sheen uh, glasses yeah. on? Goggles. Yeah. Knock, Rodrigo, Blankenship. Knocked that through. But I know, man, that is one. So much. So much coaching. So what I did do, I mean, I guess it's another network. We can't pump it up. But I did tape the mega cast. Oh, yeah. How was that? I mean, I haven't watched it all. 
But you want to hear the coach? I can't wait to hear the coach's reaction. Coach Cut, Coach Cut called it. I, I went back and and watched just that little segment, and Cutcliffe said, "Oh, this this one's decided. Like as soon as he's dropping back, this is it really? right here." Yeah, he called it, and evidently, Cutcliffe was was the star of the show. Uh, Gundy was really good too, as well. So that's I think that's definitely worth going back and watching. Yeah, I want I want to see what what they say and their their reaction because when I saw it, because I saw I was like, oh. Oh no! No, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw I saw the throw, and I would be honest, he kind of pulled that, it in a little bit. That throw was unbelievable. I mean, it was an unbelievable yeah. strike. Like even if the safety's in position, gosh, I wonder if he'd make that play. But that was an unbelievable throw, and to pull that off in that situation, I mean, that is just dropping them. Gundy's face too. He was like looking at the play and did not react. Just stone cold. He was. He must have been thinking like, why can I get a freshman quarterback like that? Are you kidding me? Unbelievable, Jeez, unbelievable throw! And he didn't play. He didn't play. Like the funny thing is, he made enough plays, but Jalen Hurst had been so bad that they just needed something. They needed some juice. Here's what I think, because we always talk about it being trendy and the five things that you outline. Yeah. So now, if you're some of these programs, you're SC, you're Michigan, you're some of these other teams, and we're looking at what Alabama's been able to do. We're looking at what Georgia with is freshmen. doing with freshmen. You gotta play them. The excuses are off. You, you gotta, a, you gotta play him. You gotta play him. Like no matter what, like when you bring a dude in, they have to get on the field. Like the days of, oh, we're gonna redshirt him and, nope. Yeah, now it's now it's like now we're gonna we're gonna ease you in. We're gonna ease you in. I mean, look, I, I think it's I think it's so healthy. I mean, some people think ah they're jumping the line or they're not earning. Anything. No, no, no. I think it's healthy. You you do not assume anything. I don't care if you started here for two years. You're you're returning starter. You better freaking bust your butt in the weight room. You better get bigger. You better get faster. You better get stronger because somebody else is coming. And guess what? They, as soon as they show up on campus, best man wins. Best man wins, and you better figure it out. And I just believe that we're going to see more people kind of be a little more proactive in getting their young guys on the field. And I think today's kids – are better served to play on the field. You think about all the seven on seven, all oh, yeah. the football that Especially is played, skill guys. all the skill guys. They've been doing it year round since they were in middle school. They're more ready to get on the field now than ever. So if you go back to the elite eleven, is this? I mean, you guys have had a bunch of guys that have gone through there, obviously. But in the new era of the elite eleven, since Trent's kind of gotten involved there with Bob Johnson's baby, and he he kind of ran it for a long time. But right now in this new era. Is there a chance that, that Tua ends up kind of being the poster boy for being able to train these guys up and get them ready to step on campus right away? And well, I mean, I, th- I think right now he will have an opportunity to be that guy that can be the face. But there's so many guys that have come out. I mean, you up there. Justin the Fields is pretty dang good. Justin man. Fields, Trevor Lawrence, some of the guys that were coming through. I think what it's going to do, I think it's going to legitimize some of the things that we've talked about for a long time in terms of seven-on-seven, off-season work, and playing. I think for the skill guys, all ball matters. That off season is just as important as the season. I think you can see some things and do some things that will help uh, advance your game, develop your game. And I think if you're not embracing the 12-month-a-year calendar that football yeah. has evolved into, you're going to get left behind. No, it's uh, pretty fascinating, man. It was a fun. It was a fun game to watch. There's a man. There's a bunch of college kids i want to get into we can probably say that for another day buck but i do want to just give you a couple names of guys i've watched recently that are pretty darn fun this virginia tech linebacker jermaine edmonds oh yeah remind me of jalen smith a little bit Ooh, 
put a big grade on him. Ooh, that's a big grade. A big, big grade. Um, I mean, he stands up. He plays on the edge. He also plays primarily off the ball. Um, he can run all day long. Outstanding blitzer. Excellent range. You'll see him kind of wrap and fill around blocks inside. He he's pulls a trigger and goes. He can cover tight ends. You see him change direction against tight ends and backs. Mm-hmm. This guy's 6'5", 250 pounds, what they list him at. We'll see. So I'm guessing, what, 6'4", uh, 245, 250. But uh, he's excellent in coverage. He's he, he can rush off the edge if you want him to. He's a big-time athlete. He's, uh, he's one of my favorite players I've watched so far. Well, had a peek at him, had a chance to watch him at the bowl game. I saw Oklahoma State take on Virginia Tech, saw him run around a little bit, and watched him on tape against Miami. And the thing that stands out is everything that you say, versatile athlete, long, rangy, tough, athletic, explosive. You talk about being able to find these athletes, these I can't even call them a hybrid, but these avatars, these guys that just can do so many different freakish things, he is one of those. We talk about the talent in this draft, and I know a lot of the conversation that we'll have in the next few months will center around the quarterbacks. There's some dudes, man. There's some guys in there, and I think the challenge for some guys are your position players better players, more talented players than some of the quarterbacks that we will have at the top of the board. That's Some of these teams – are going to have to make these decisions whether to bypass a guy that we know as a dude, as a position player, to take a chance on a quarterback. Harrison Phillips from Stanford is Kyle Williams 2.0. I mean, I've never seen anybody that looks more like somebody. (laughs) Physically looks like him. He plays like him. Dominant point of attack guy. Not a great pass rusher, but he's – Kyle kind of had that – had quick hands – this kid's got that, and this, he'll have some sack production. Kyle ended up being well, a, also, remember, a better he's, sack he's, guy. He's a wrestler. You know, we yes. talked to him. When we talked to him at, at, at Pac-12 Media Day, he talked about being a wrestler, a heavyweight champion, being able to put people on the back, the toughness, the leverage. Um, look, coaches I've worked for always love guys that were wrestlers, particularly on the D-line because they understood how to play with leverage, body control. He's going to have a chance. That was Our, a funny dude. Yeah, he's a nice guy, yeah, man. Yeah, nice guy. Good that dude. was a really fun chat. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll revisit that later on in the spring. Arden Key's tough to do, man. He's tough to get a He's a hard of. evaluation, man. I, you know, I know there's been a lot of love in the streets for him. A lot of people have talked about him as a top 10, top 20 prospect. But it's just hard for me to justify on tape that he merits or warrants that kind of grade. Talented athlete, but I'm a little spooked, and I think I'm spooked, and I shouldn't hold this against him per se. But I've seen a lot of those guys that have come out of LSU looking like that, tall, mm-hmm. slender, show some flashes, but they're not strong at the point of attack, namely Barkevis Mingo yeah. kind of haunts me. And I don't want to put that on him, but that's kind of what I see because when I've seen him go against real dudes, uh, when he, you watch him turn on the tape against Alabama, I feel like there's some back down in him that if he goes against uh, a butt kicker on the other side, he – yeah. He shut it down a little bit. Needs a little more dog in him. I watched that one. I watched Auburn and Alabama. And uh, my thing is he just gets he gets blocked by inferior players too much, like tight ends. Like you, Every D-line coach I've ever been around, we we don't get blocked by tight ends. Oh, we don't even look at them. Like that who, who, who's, that, who's that in front of me should knock him around? But, you know, you'll see the flashes that he'll swipe and dip and rip, and he had nice uh nice sack against Alabama doing that. You see some inside counters, but – uh, he's not a great finisher. He's got some ankle stiffness and just doesn't play hard all the time. So I think I that's the know, bigger man. thing. The bigger thing is it's hard to fully endure someone that doesn't play hard. That effort, that effort is supposed to be 
something yeah. that we shouldn't even have to talk about when we when we're doing the evaluation. I shouldn't have to talk about a guy playing hard, not playing hard. That should be standard. But when it stands out on tape, it just makes me wonder, like, man, what are you about? If you're going to be a dominant player, yeah. you should be able to play hard right away. He's a tough one. The uh, uh, Orlando Brown is we, – we can get into all these guys later. I could probably stop on this one. No, no, we Orlando Brown, you know, mammoth. I was around his dad, Zeus, with uh, with the Ravens. Orlando's listed at 6'8", 345. His dad was bigger. Um, but he is uh, – he's, he's, he's interesting to do is what I'll say because it doesn't look pretty. He does not have a clean set. He does not bend his knees. Just but he's so freaking big, at the end of the game, he's got a clean sheet. He'll get beat and just kind of reach his arms out and just kind of push a guy down to the ground. I mean, he's not squaring him up. He's not, not a great punch there, but he just kind of uses his length. And at the end of the day, you're like, okay, well, he can lean on you in the run game and create some movement. And then the pass game, he survives. It's not pretty, but he's just too dang big. Too big, too physical. He has all of the traits. Uh, we talk about looking for traits at the position. He has them. And there's a place for that in our league, obviously. He's there's starting, also starting right tackle an offensive line coach that is waiting to get their hands on a big guy that has those skills. You can't teach so, that size. So he's going to go. He's going to go high. And I think, you know, it's one of those things. Can you develop them? And that is going to be the trick for all a lot of these guys that we talk about. How quickly can we develop them to get them on the field where they can be a very, very productive starter? Not just, oh, in a year or so. They need to be able to play right away because what we're talking about in college kind of accelerate in the pros. Your rookies need to be able to get on the field. you got to figure it out. No question. All right, we got plenty more prospects to get into in the spring here, but the college football season is over. What a fun ride. Uh, draft enjoy season. It. Draft season is here. we still got – man, we got some good playoff games, though. So be sure to check out our next episode. We'll dive in to the matchups we're looking forward to in these uh, in this playoff divisional round. Should be a lot of fun. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Fun episode. Uh, we will be back next time. This has been Move the Sticks presented by the Ford F-Series. See you later. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 